So you want to start with the trailers? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we also, got... I just now realized in this moment that Black Adam is Black Adam and not Black Atom. But Adam's in the movie, right? Who the fuck is Adam? No, just... right? Because uh, I'm pretty sure that's not even the character's name. Black Adam. Are well, we no, just not I... we just not figuring that out. No, I know. No, no, no. I mean, like. Oh, I see it. Well, this was just this. His name's Teeth Adams. Yeah. Well, it's not even Adams. It's gonna be. It's something like ancient. I don't know. Adam. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I I don't know why they're DC is continuing to make these movies when they have a zero continuity universe to put them in. It, well, this is part of Shazam's universe, right? Well, and Shazam see- is supposed to be inside of this DC world, like homeboys collecting bat, uh, Affleck's. Ben Affleck's Batarangs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. In Shazam. They, and they kind of crumbled that universe right. down. I mean, this could be part. It could still be what? Um, in the universe, but away from uh, that time. Yeah. But what's the point, Ooh. dude? You're bringing like in like very big names in the DC oeuvre. Like the fact that you brought Piers Brosnan to play Dr. Fate, which is probably going to be my favorite part of the show. Um, Dr. Fate is like. Hawkman looks pretty dope. Hawkman does look dope, but I think Dr. Fate is a much cooler concept than Dr. Strange. And it's kind of the Marvel DC one-to-one type situation, but Dr. Fate's kind of trapped in this never ending, like connection with an ancient being that gives him his powers because of the helmet that he wears. So, well, and also, I mean, I feel like Pierce Bronson might be more likable than you could imagine. I don't think many people dislike him especially after playing james bond in the 90s and i mean dude think about this there's no way that the rock like dwayne rock johnson the hero (laughs) of all heroes that he's there he's not going to show up for this movie so that uh people hate him yeah he's not going to be the villain and this is almost even though black adam's like a dictator warlord of an uh, like an african country that has the similar powers of Shazam. Yeah, the, the trailer is... It uses them for wrongdoing. It does what most superhero debut action trailers kind of do. It introduces you a quick uh, quick bit of of the superhero slash, I guess, villain before you kind of see them in their suit, but they give you the suit. And they also add the, uh, a really funny... I'm not funny, but it, I find it funny where every time there's this rap song that yeah. goes behind in some action sequences and then you get a little bit more of the side characters and yeah, like I'm excited for Hawkman. I think that might be my biggest, um, biggest part of it, but like, like I, I know this isn't the song that played during the trailer, but I hear, I just, I just think of like, you know, the, the Thor trailers had it, the Black Panther no, trailers Thor, had it. Thor trailers go hard rock, but I'm just saying, well, okay. True. Yeah. Well, the, she's got a spot. Oh, we're going to get copyright stricken. But the uh, but yeah, I just find it funny when trailers kind of do that. Um, maybe it was the Fast and Furious that's done it recently. I don't know. Um, maybe that's the list for another day. But yeah, I mean, uh, it comes out October 21st, I think, uh, towards the back end of October. You know, it'd be really nice if Letterboxd always had these release dates if it wasn't October 21st, though. But yeah. Well, you can't expect Letterboxd to have like, everything. That's just like a. Like an openly log, editable like service. yeah service like IMDb like people can just go ahead and change that as information comes to life. Yeah. But but with it coming out in October, it's uh, it's a couple weeks after the the last Halloween entry, hopefully. Um, and it's a little <laughs> bit, dude. 
there's nothing else that really comes in that's going to compete with it. So it it well supposedly Black Panther two and a couple weeks after that, but we'll, we'll but see we have still happens. heard literally nothing about that movie. Mm-hmm. Then would you like to talk about the other trailer we watched before I rip it a new one? You don't need to rip it a new one, but you can obviously voice your opinion on it. But I, I, I know uh, we just have a few witness witness. Jeez, if you saw the Jurassic World movie, they they dropped the new trailer for uh, Nope, which is Peel's next film coming up, and it really shows you more of what the film is about. We had um, obviously kind of unfolding the mystery where it's going to be about UFOs and aliens, and now and you. Looking from the first trailer and going to the second trailer, it shifts tone between what looked thought to be horror and now it looks to be a little bit of some soft comedy into it. Um, I'm not opposed to that. I still am excited for this movie. I can't. Uh, I can't wait for it to come out. And I, it supposedly has a long runtime. That might be an issue. But after the second trailer, I, th- I think it's going to be pretty exciting just to see how it all uh, plays out. And knowing Jordan Peele, maybe shifting the tone to give you this comedy touch, you're not going to be. Um, expecting that twist to come through that was for me a little easier to spot in us but not get out so we'll see what peel brings to us but i'm excited i mean why why take such a drastic turn when you've like yes you're a comedian you've found much success with your comedic stylings and key and peel and all that stuff but you found most of your success by going and combining that tendencies with what Jordan Peele is also very passionate about, which is the horror and the avant-garde and making films that send messages and have purposes and meaning. And I don't see that from this movie in the sense of the trailer. I don't see it making as big of an impact as Get Out. I don't see it being as far-reaching as like us in its concept. But this trailer... And the fact that it led more into the comedy only made it more worrisome because I'm like, does he have a reason for making this movie or are they like, hey, you need to make your third movie? I I think knowing that you might go into it with less anticipation as I do, maybe makes uh, maybe could be like you like it more. You find more to enjoy out of it. One one can hope, though, maybe. But yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> not many trailers came out this week. Um, obviously, it's it's fun just to get what we can get. Um, first taste of Black Adam and another uh, there were rumors that nope might get delayed but I think that second trailer confirmation proves that it's it's on its way especially when it slapped a date up there why would they do that oh you know we hear people and they believe everything they read on their internet people who follow unreliable sources And welcome back to Cinerables this week. That's right. I said Cinerables. I'm Brent. And I'm Brett. And we're going to go into our TV corner that we've practically established at this point. Uh, <laughs> that being Obi-Wan and the boys. Uh, but before we get into that, did you want to mention... Oh, boys one. You want to mention the little... 
yeah, whatever you want to call it, boys <laughs> to men. Uh, but did you want to give a little little boys word about what else kind of premiered this week so people aren't thinking we're leaving well, it out? No, because we decided we're going to do a little bit of an experiment with this most recent Marvel TV show that dropped last week. We finally got the Miss Marvel series, and one of the co-hosts is a little less inclined to get started on watching that show with me. So in true genius fashion, one of the other co-hosts decided that it would be a brilliant idea if we did, like I said, a little experiment here where I watch the shows episodically as they are released week by week. And then Brent's going to watch them all six episodes after the finale releases. And then we're going to compare how we received the show at the end when we talk about the entire series as a whole instead of episode by episode yeah i I think that might work best we try to get this done with other tv shows but i think um this one might work the best though my interest is a little less i mean we all all the shows we've ever talked about on this on this show have we've done episodically we except for like stranger things where we just did and that actually that conversation ended up working out really well i feel like we talked about and tapped on nearly everything we needed to talk about so doing this now where we have a totally different viewing aspect like when we're watching the show and how we're intaking it like me again over six weeks him binging them all at once i just think that will only add to the interesting conversation but back to the tasks at hand because we had two episodes of tv we did watch then we do want to talk about uh, we'll start off this week with the boys because, I mean, man, this show just is unlike any other. Well, it they they have to go that way from just what I've heard within the graphic novels, like we um, discussed previously. But episode three came out, and um, as as fun as they always are, we got just um, Homelander's chaoticness, and shows you just how sinister and narcissistic this character really is. But just, I mean. You kind of love seeing that because um, Anthony Starr, the actor that plays him, he does such a great fucking job at everything that is to be Homelander. I mean, yeah, he gives off this excellent vibe to it. Um, don't really think anyone else could have done that. And I, um, and then you also get a fun sequence where it shows more of what his motions and plan are and adds a little bit more beef to what the season can be, uh, especially after you get three episodes last week. We get one this week. And I think it was kind of crucial to allow us to to go back in that weekly format so we can breathe based on everything that he put in motion for himself to kind of set. Um, I will always forget what Carl the boy. Oh, Billy Butcher. What they call his his little posse. The the boys. Yeah, there we go. Are, was that a bit that you no, were doing, man, or did I you truly you, forget what I, they were I, called? I, I told you Sunday nights are not. For oh me. my god, you're uh, ridiculous. So. And then, but it was funny because they get, they do go, they have that scene where they have the fight inside what was uh, the whorehouse with the the dildos and that action sequence <laughs> was pretty funny, especially how uh, the collection that the guy had was practically every version of the superhero and they all right. had their the, own purpose. Each of the it. members of the seven had their mm-hmm. own licensed dildo. It was kind of funny. Uh, I mean, dude, that, that scene just showcases something that I don't think I mentioned the first episode, but like Kimiko is easily one of the like, quietly best characters of the whole show even though she can't talk and specifically this season with her like existential crisis of wanting to be normal and ride roller coasters and sing songs and 
be a pretty girl and whatnot uh, is super relatable, even though like we can't relate to the having otherworldly superpowers and strength and healing factors and like not being able to get shot in the fucking head. Uh, but like I but like they still find a way to make her character super like I, I just said relatable. So I think that's a really great part of the show, obviously. Um, but I mean, besides all the gore and the sex and violence and corruption, like this show does really great character work. Like, especially this season, we're learning about Newman and Stan Edgar's relationship and how they have a connection. We find out in this episode that Newman fears Homelander more than she fears her own adopted father, who I thought, like, it's Giancarlo Esposito, bro. Even though he has zero powers in the show, he's still an incredibly intimidating force that's keeping, like, these omnipotent godlike superheroes at bay. So that's awesome. Well, and I think but we're finally le- learning that like Homelander is no longer letting like his leash be held. Mm-hmm. And so what is Stan Edgar going to do? And now he's being framed and he got duped by Newman. And so we got to definitely see how that goes. Well, I think exp- uh, with what you're saying about John Carlo is we've seen him play such really great roles as villains in the house center Sarah, and he doesn't have powers for those. So seeing yeah. him here without needing powers, you can still see what strength he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like we said before, it's going to be interesting to see what they are able to uh, do with Homelander. Uh, going oh, totally. forward. Uh, I'm, I'm always excited to, to watch the show no matter. Um, and, and it was actually just confirmed for season four. So that's exciting. So um we'll know we'll get more of that and at the end of this episode we finally get the boys and them breaking out uh soldier boy mm-hmm. so and find out he's alive and, he's and, alive. and this whole macguffin of this weapon that could kill homelander is non-existent and right we just learned that they captured soldier boy and had him on ice essentially like captain america yeah and i and that just means next week we're gonna get uh more jensen ackles you're jensen welcome ackles. i can't wait yeah so, yeah, no, I mean, this is going to be great. We see that Billy's still abusing the, the like compound V. So he still has superpowers, even though his whole career has been based on like eliminating soups. And so Mother's Milk and Frenchie are like, fuck this. And, Hue- and, I, and then Huey. Yeah, yeah and he Huey and even and then Huey also goes behind his back and swipes some compound V. And how fitting is it that Huey's power instead of like laser eyes and invulnerability is like teleportation it, and then he but just he, getting the fuck out of there and, and also you lose naked. your clothes yeah. so your dick's just like hanging out you can't teleport your clothes yeah and as in the way the episode ends that's actually a good good point there is like the div, how divided the team is right yeah now. oh yeah especially going into you, episode five when you need him the most uh because homelander he just killed starlights what was gonna oh, be oh yeah that whole yeah. suck dude so that whole thing is I uh, like I got another incredibly interesting subplot. Supersonic, yeah. Supersonic uh, gets freaking murked because he's spilled the beans to A Train, and you think A Train is going to have a moment of redemption every time, and he never can just like stay on the side of good and what is right, and he's always looking out for himself, and he's like just teetering that line of the irredeem- unredeemable character. Um, so that sucks. And then obviously you have the deep being like the pet shop boy, the fight between a train and the deep for that, like short amount of time, maybe my favorite scene of this show so far. Cause they're both just been like 
Oh, yeah, two yeah, CUP yeah, heroes yeah. that got kicked off the team and have been beaten down and like ridiculed, and all they want is their their limelight back. And so you see that struggle in both of them at the same time, and well, it's and then really fucking good. Uh, kind of coming back to me, but there's that moment with A Train where they make fun of the Pepsi commercial. Back oh, in the, day. the, the Kendall, Kendall Jenner Pepsi, Pepsi yeah. commercial was so riot. funny. I was like, the show's very uh, self aware of like what they're doing when they're making oh, fun yeah. of all that stuff, and it was great to see. Um, got a, totally. got a great fucking laugh out of me, but yeah, um, th- that, that will wrap up boys. We don't really need to spend too much time on them because the episodes themselves are, are timed recently within that hour. So you get a lot of that, but we don't want to obviously spoil too much. Uh, however, we'll be talking about Obi-Wan. And so there is no way to talk about that without addressing what could be spoilers for people who haven't watched it yet, but going into this week, this is episode four mm-hmm. and pretty, uh, you know, you, you know, the stakes uh, after the last episode ended where Leia was taken by the third sister. And so you now know that Obi-Wan has to come up with a plan. And he this is where we first get to meet o- O'Shea Jackson. Uh, so yeah, that was really cool. To Definitely wasn't like a Jedi, like I thought, but an interesting character. Nonetheless, that uh, is basically just another Rebe- another li- like person of a good heart who's helping the Jedi and these younglings get to safety from the Imperial rule. Uh, and yeah, so the well, episode. Oh, no. well, we also find out he was married to a Jedi, and that's why it was happening or why he was doing that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, that, that was definitely the case. That just came to me as I was saying that. Uh, and and so, yeah, Obi Wan comes up with a plan with Talia to, to save Leia, and um, and they go inside Vader's one of his headquarters. Well, well not no, this, so that, that 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 specific place planet. is called the Fortress Inquisitorious. Oh my God. And it is the main uh the the main operation building, no, like basically base, office yeah. building for the Inquisitors. Pre-Death Star. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely yeah. pre-Death Star. But and and they're on an ocean plane, which uh sure. which was pretty cool. This it's, is all from the game, I believe F- F- Fallen Order. But oh, really? I'm not very versed in the Star Wars games. Uh, surprisingly, I am nowhere close. If I if I don't see it in movies and I don't rewatch it, then I'm I'm out of it. Um, and so yeah, we get a you know this is basically a a rescue episode where he goes to try and save Leia and and at moments it it looks like it's going to succeed and Tally has to create some diversions and so there was a moment where like her cover as being a part of this, um, she's an active member of the Empire. Yeah, I love that. Because that's that that gives off tones of like Finn being a defective stormtrooper, but like we're actually seeing this woman get to do stuff with you know, and it becomes very helpful because right. it, it allows them to get in. And so like that was that parts were kind of cool and whatnot. And obviously Obi Wan like going through and and rescuing Leia was was neat. It's a very short episode. This was probably like third, a half hour. Yeah, really I, quick. dude, you can't see. I I understand some of the complaints of like some of the star Wars fans and the fact that like in the complaint that this was a filler episode and how are you going to have a filler episode when it's only a six season or six episode season? Like what you could, there, there was nothing more you could tell in this episode, nothing you could have added to make like it that much more impactful. Like I know I don't, I'm not expecting any of this, but you could have had some kind of flashback to the clone wars or something. Give us an extra 10 minutes we're here for the Obi-Wan series. Don't skimp on us on these episodes, my guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and with how short the episode was, I guess you could say um, there wasn't room for me to, to entirely hate some stuff within it. But I th- think like you're saying, a, a filler episode indeed 
I mean, um, a couple of my favorite things, like even in this short runtime, I had like four something quick moments. Well, I, I failed to mention last episode and I wrote this joke down, so I'm going to deliver it now. But we learned that Obi-Wan had a brother and that was like never canonically established. Uh, do you think the guy's name is Broby one or do you think it's Obi two? <laughs> Wait, so the the last episode talked about him having a brother? Yeah, there was like a remember oh, when he I'm, was on he was talking to Leia or might something. Have, might have been snoozing. He's like I had a brother. Hmm. And I don't remember but I like no and he's talking about how what he remembers of his family and he thinks he has a younger brother. Um hmm. and yeah, his name is probably Broby one. But no, but uh, as always, I mean, Ewan McGregor does really great in this episode. Oh, He's totally. Definitely not my problem with the show. I know I've stated my problems, but I don't need to repeat myself uh, and receive text messages. But we, um, yeah, we we think we're going to be setting ourselves up for a big episode five and hopefully an episode six that doesn't leave us wanting, you know, too much or too less. I know these, we always have that conversation. Well, we got episode five and now. At the season finale, we know that never, these stuffs never sticks their lane on Disney Plus, but hopefully that's just not the case here. Um, we've yet to uh, see anything about a season two, so maybe there. I I um, I, I almost, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm almost pretty confident that they said this was a one-off, like a limited series. And I and I understand that it, it is a series, and I would just you know put throw, throw my hat in the ring, name in the ring, whatever the the lane is, but. If this was just maybe a two-hour TV show or two-hour movie where you have everything about this, you and then bring back like Garrett Edwards because everyone thought, uh, not Edwards. Hold on. Well, no, Gareth Edwards. Gareth was, Edwards. Yeah, but, but Rogue like, One director. It, but who was the director before him? That movie was a movie by committee because there was an original director that got fired I, mid shoot. It was, it was Solo. No, with the, this also happened Howard. during Rogue One. Well, then who was the original? Who was director? the who was the guy who did Godzilla? That was Gareth Edwards. I am almost certain this is a scientific fact. Scientific. Uh Star Wartific. I'm pretty sure he was the only one. Uh I mean George Lucas posted that he loved this to this director so much. I don't see anything about another director. I mean, we know the other Star Wars movies have had that issue because originally there were the I'm not seeing anything in here. Bro. Usually would have popped up because I want to say there's a lot of writers on, was it Last Jedi had a lot of writers on it? And I think that one of those writers was supposed to be. Whatever. All right, just keep going, I guess. Well, I'm just saying I, I would probably still in, have might have enjoyed a, a movie, a, just a two-hour movie of this because you could have got it all within like one sitting and maybe the story, uh, I, I know it's, um, you can't really default it for an episode, a TV show because you only get them episode by episode, but a two-hour movie, maybe a little bit over that, and you might get a lot more of um, the information all at once, which sometimes does help when you're wanting content like this, especially Star Wars. And I know they're trying to give us these um, these stories told throughout TV shows in small um, in small areas, but maybe um, maybe the last two will have something to look for uh, to bring you know some uplifting spirits. But we'll see. Yeah, it's they're still going to keep making them, so it's not like it's going to be something that they. Yeah, stop and doing. I mean, I can't get enough of little Leia. She's really just even especially in this interview sequence, she feels so much like Carrie Fisher. She's trying to outsmart the Inquisitor. She's using her like very slight force tendencies to keep her at bay when she's trying to invade her mind. You can tell. She's going to grow up to be someone who does not fear 
the intimidation of the empire and power and whatnot. Uh, so I love all that. I even liked Reva better in this episode. I know uh, she's still a a, uh, a point of d- d- uh, disagreement in the Star Wars community oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. That's but I think she's doing better. I just think once again, her character is not given like anything of right, merit correct. to do. Correct. Besides and, interrogate a 10 year old yeah, about, and, and about I something actor, she may or may know. not know anything about. Correct. Yeah. And I, and I don't hate the actor at all. So like, I don't want that to be something that gets mis- misinterpreted. Um, but yeah, I mean this, this, for me, this episode just feels like almost like an ode to a new hope. It feels like old man, Obi-Wan Kenobi sneaking around the corridors of the death star and trying to like deactivate the shield so that the, the, they could do their mission and whatnot and like take on the death star. And then inevitably we, see that obi-wan and darth vader have their final battle in that moment so i lo- i felt like this episode which is episode four felt like a precursor to episode four of star wars there were several amazing jedi moments for obi-wan kenobi like the when he turns off the lights and takes out those two stormtroopers was- or the moment um, in the water tunnel there's uh, i would say with everything we got with the lifesaver fights in this episode in these this series season i guess series um, the lighting's been fantastic. Like, yeah. it's not one of those. They're doing. They're where, being creative with the yeah. ignitions, and it, it's make it's adding like a kind of a scare tactic with it. And I, I enjoy that a lot. And knowing what is to come with another fight between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, it'll be really dope to see how they pull that. Well, off. I, I love how you point that out because like him using his lightsaber isn't just like a whim of a decision for Obi Wan Kenobi in this moment. He isn't hiding. He is like renounced the Jedi Order. So. When he chooses to ignite his lightsaber, it's in moments of absolute desperation. And they're using lighting and sound and cinematography to help push that and make you feel like the importance of what he's doing. I wonder if, because I know he obviously keeps mentioning about Qui-Gon Jinn, that this is something he's what like he's trying to learn from him and process that, that has part. to be yeah we got to get him at the bare we got to get liam neeson at the bare minimum if we don't get any of him and we don't get any clone war stuff and literally the star wars fans don't get anything that they would want from a series with obi-wan kenobi besides darth vader i think we're gonna have a lot of discourse on our hands uh i think just within our circle we're gonna get that no matter what we have to get quite out yeah I mean, but I want to be, it's not going to make or break it for me. I mean, yeah, and not at all. Agreed. But it would be an epic moment, dude, seeing a blue ghosty uh, Liam Neeson doing his thing. And it's not like this dude looks that much older than he did during the prequel days. Folks, we have a breaking news. We figured out what it's I was talking about earlier. News. But anyways, well, no, I so I was wrong in the sense that Gareth Edwards had someone. Director. Uh, had stepped in for someone. It was when they went into like reshoots to do redo dialogue and like uh change up the screenplay basically they shot some new scenes and they wrote some new dialogue and that was all done by tony gilroy and that's actually really fucking cool i mean dude they're the rogue ones have some iconic moments and i think if i'm remembering this correctly it was a lot of the stuff at the end so that's the best part of the movie. I mean, geez, now that I, I think that might be why I, I like Rogue One a lot more now, too, is 
Gilroy has directed some pretty dope film, films too, and he's added some. He's yeah, I mean, up I'm some a fan of Gareth Edwards. I I am someone who oh, actually Gilroy, thoroughly. Gilroy. No, I understand, but I I'm someone that also thoroughly enjoys the Godzilla movies. So like, it's two great directors that really know how to do stylistic and a, a different kind he of has, action. He hasn't been given much to work on lately, hasn't he? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Let me see that he's been I doing need... anything of recent. I know. There's nothing that I can think of that's come to mind. I mean, yeah, Rogue One was the last thing he's done. And, I mean, it looks like something's been un- under post-production for a while. So maybe that uh, might come about. Well, we'll, we'll, see. we'll, we'll all see. see about that. But, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. We got two more episodes of this show. We may have some special guests on to talk about the finale episode. So stick. So st- I was about to say, so stick around. But from there. Now, if you're one of those special guests, so you won't have to stick around because you'll be joining us. What? Yeah. <laughs> I threw your mind out. Yeah, but why? You stopped, my, you stopped where I was going, <laughs> and now it's it's totally gone. Anyways. Back in time. No. We're going. We're going back in time. Yeah, eventually. But first, we got to go to the basketball court. Oh, fuck. All right. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Shit. My production notes are all over the place. Uh, or lack thereof. <laughs> I let you have it. Uh, I gave you that layup, sir. A little bit. Hey, that's good. That was good. <laughs> No, we, we're talking about Hustle, Netflix, Adam Sandler in his 75,000 movie deal uh, with Netflix. He has brought us a new Happy Madison production. And maybe uh, we were talking about this earlier. This could potentially be like the most dramatic film in the entire Happy Madison production library. Yeah, I mean, there's just kind of like there's not much to it because obviously the films that we've it's funny but this is a heartfelt feel good like very much a sports uh movie with the training mon yeah Yeah. sports drama with all the training montages and everything yeah i mean and and if you i mean if you're a fan of adam sandler i mean then great i mean who's not dude jack and jill is a masterpiece but that's my boy a cat (laughs) but anyways um, if you know Adam Sandler, though, he has a deep passion for basketball. Like he loves the sport. There's so many. Uh, you hear so many stories about like he'll go up to random. Wow, a Jewish sports. kid from New York loves basketball. Whoa, stop the presses. <laughs> you, you've heard stories about how he'll randomly show up to like the gyms at the YMCA's or at ball courts and wants to just play a game with guys. And he has to like let them know, like, yeah, I mean, I'm this, I'm Adam Sandler, but let's just play ball. I'm here to play oh ball. Like, he loves yeah, it I'm so here much. To game. Yeah, and. and uh, he he teams he produces uh he teams up with LeBron James to produce the film LeBron and James. and uh, and Adam Sandler uh plays a down on his luck scout for the Philadelphia 76ers mm-hmm. and and he was at one t- at one point he was a, what a poised basketball player but he got into In a college, car accident yeah. he got into a car accident so his hand was fucked up so he he basically was uh given the opportunity to, to scout for the 76ers and he basically um his always his dream in the NBA was to be a coach uh and and the time almost came but then the owner that was going to give it to him died and uh, what a waste of Robert Duvall can we start with that well, you yeah. don't you don't put Robert Duvall yeah. like yeah. the guy from the Godfather yeah. in a movie to kill him within the first 10 15 minutes so we will have spoilers, spoilers. Uh, we usually put the spoilers after we spoil the film. No, nah, I mean, dude, good. you this is a must watch. And like, honestly, again, that's the first two for 15 yeah. minutes of the film. It's what 
really starts the plot. Well, yeah, so. and then and just like you're saying with Robert Duvall, but they make us hate the fuck out of Ben Foster. And oh, how can you God. how can you hate Ben Dude, Foster? Bald Ben Foster is, is the a, most absolute vile, sleazy daddy's money baby boy. Right? I think that's what that's like for. the most entitled little dipshit. And owner. Remind me, isn't Heidi Gardner from SNL? Isn't that his sister? In, in real life. Oh. no in the movie oh yeah oh, yeah from snl yeah 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 uh, that, that's her yeah, character yeah. okay but and, and like she him steps and, down once him and stan yeah and him and stanley are like or her and stanley are like very close and cool with each other or yeah. whatever but yeah you that dude that right off the bat they make you absolutely despise yeah. how douchey and this uh little like daddy's boy is they do a good especially job, when he's yeah. wearing a fucking kegel hat they, they do a good job in the beginning where like it shows you that Sandler has been touring through all uh, countries across. The oh yeah. That he's, yeah. that he's got the routine yeah. down. He's been going all over the world, staying in hotels, watching film on the plane mm -hmm. and, what a scout and does. putting in the work, doing yeah. all and, the and international scout. The scouts are the unsung heroes of the, all the sports world yeah. period. No, all, all of it. Dude. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like movie, yeah. putting in hours and hours going on the road, going to these different cities, watching these kids now, play, having to, tell their parents they're no good or having to like disappoint them or being disappointed when they don't pan out the way that they do. You're, you're either, crazy. You're either told they're 18 or you're told they're 55, but at one point you're told. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he, and so like the film quickly goes until um, he, you know, he doesn't become the coach. So he's sticking with the scouting gig. And he finds an international international sensation. In yeah. Spain. He's given an ultimatum. He's yeah. like, find me the guy and we'll get you your job. Yeah. And so he's, and and to shed light, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, but like he told his he told Scott Ben Foster not to draft this one guy, but they did. He turns out to be what a bust is, and mm -hmm. he won't take blame for it. Instead, he tells Adam Sandler, "You need to go, go fix find it. the next guy." Yeah, and and this what leads you on to what becomes just you know a very true sports drama. Like there's a lot to like within the film and the chemistry that Adam Sandler picks up with uh, professional who actually is a professional basketball, but. Um, Juanco Herna Gomez uh, tried my fucking best. Juancho. Pronounce that. Herman but, Gomez. But he's a, prof he's a professional basketball player, so it does a really great job at, you know, uh, threading the line between just grabbing real sports footage um, and then that authenticity that you want in your sports film. Um, they capture that, especially with the training montages. I mean, I everyone talks about how much they love That's those in it. movies. It's Well, a lot of the film is just training him for the combine, and I know, like, not many – sport fans or basketball fans but i think they do a great job at, at bending between both like adam sandler's personal life and real life with with his wife queen latifah and his daughter and what his role is there but also um how he becomes attached and understands like what this kid is trying to give up coming to the states it was a it was a great it was a great um uh, great film and i was definitely kind of surprised by like how much i was going to enjoy it i mean i had i had slight issues like how the, the amount of montages i honestly think that the out of all of bo cruz's obstacles like Bo he, he has he has the first tryout and then the second tryout and that's then the combine is. and then the the secret combine that's i'm like is. one of those could have been cut well wait a minute one of those could have been Two, cut. there was there was the there was the there the was combine. there was the first one with the guy named Kermit, and I thought it was really funny that they try to make that was, a guy named that, Kermit that was intimidating. Just, that was just to try and get him into the combine, and then he gets to the combine, right? And and then basically 
doesn't do a good job at it because he almost beats the shit out of Kermit. But there wasn't there there was something in between that and the combine that, that where, was he, just, where he got like pissed and we saw another setback was the and then first, we overcame. Like, yeah, you saw the one the pickup game. You saw him at the pickup game. Yeah. And then there was the first time he, he meets Kermit and gets in his head. And then there's at the combine where he brought his daughter and then he punches he punches the floor. But he leaves that, which creates this bad boy right. image. And then, and then you have four. The, the and then there's secret. a fourth thing. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like it's. No, I, think, just, no, I think there's it a lot of it. And then in between all of those, you're seeing multiple scenes of him doing the street ball, hustling, well, just playing, that, yeah. playing against random guys. And it's now, literally just a montage what, of shots what's, and, and what's, blocks. What's any different than a, a football movie showing a couple football scenes? Or it just felt like a lot. Baseball movie. It felt a couple overwhelming. Scenes. When you have a good mixture, it's something you no, don't think, notice. But, the but point, I noticed. But it. the point of the film, though, was to show you that this that Bo Cruz, you know, he has the determination. Could have gotten that across uh, with a little bit less of the basketball cinematography. Maybe not. Uh, I think so. I, th- I think it was you done, got like six or seven well. shots and, and block shots out of that movie, and you got a nice clean hour forty four runtime. Well, yeah, but without that, you want to get that joke about how this side of my tattoos are for my mom, and this side of tattoos. But you can still have that joke. Dad. Stop it! You're funny. <laughs> uh, you but have no, no tattoos. Their chemistry uh, between the, uh, Sandler, but those that was fantastic, and and um yeah the dude the story, was a solid enough actor and then the story ends very, very it's heartwarming in a way and you kind of got uh some good at that because some sports movies end in triumph or some sport movies just end in sadness i mean i'm yeah. looking at you million dollar baby well <laughs> yeah i mean dude yeah. it's the, yeah. it's not a surprise at all that adam sandler can do stuff like this like after uncut gems and seeing what he can do dramatically and now we're here and he's making more dramatic or doing more dramatic roles. And now he's producing his own dramatic roles. And I think it's only a matter of time before his skill finally, like his true acting talent and skill shines through and he gets recognized by the Academy for it. Cause the more he does and the more he's able to show that he can do in these movies uh, is only uh, going to be an easier selling point for someone to give him a statue. Um, it looks like Sandler's next film is going to be a space drama adventure for within Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be kind of interesting to see, uh, see what that, that pulls out, but that uh, looks to be done filming. Uh, and then he also has murder mystery too coming out. So, mm. and, and then he also just, you know, takes his front of vacation and shoots like a, you know, a grownups film or something, but he'll, it's always great to see the Sandman come back. Uh, I know his films as of late have been more for, for my seeking and, and yeah, I mean, with what we talked about before, you don't often get the drama side of Sandler, but he does a fantastic job at it. So hopefully more people give him and he does. He also has another safety brothers film lined up. So I, yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see what what more we have in store from the Sandman and, and whether it's Netflix or not. Like, I mean, I, I still would be on board. So. Absolutely. Now we can go back in time. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, for those who uh, maybe perhaps pay attention to summer blockbusters, we got the first entry of this for trilogy installment um, back in 2015. Yeah. Yep. And that was by director Colin Trevorrow. And he returns for the next one uh, for the new one, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, weird title. Uh, I've heard that they could have called it a couple other things, but it is what it is. Um what I mean, there's no need to like break down. I don't. I, I'm not going to break down the plot. It's all over the place. It's about a two and a half hour movie. Um, it 
as the no plot surprise. is bugs are going to ruin our crops and they're illegally made by Dotson. Yeah, spoiler alert. It's fucking Dotson. We got Dotson here, folks. Dotson's the villain of this movie. Who, how the fucking... You you found the absolute most minuscule character in in the entire franchise of Jurassic World to make the or Jurassic Park. My brain's already fried from this movie, and we've just started talking about it. Um, they took this most uh, like obscure character and made him the villain of this movie. They replaced him with this no charisma actor. This actor, well, not what, for not on his part, but dude, I don't know because I don't know how much I've seen him in, but this was fucking terrible. Isn't he like Peter Parker's dad yeah, in he, The Amazing Spider-Man? He's done a lot of work in like the 90s, 80s, and he's done some good stuff on TV, but I, I think it just goes to show you like how the writers I are. I believe with it was Dotson, dude. That was blowing my mind the entire time because, yeah. I mean, that is one of my favorite scenes of the original movie, but it's like if you had the fucking... Like if the it's whole if the if the villain of the movie was Sam Jackson, what it, oh, dude? What if that was the case? How fucking cool would that have been? Actually, if I mean, like Sam Jackson's like a spiteful like. Oh, so if he survived from Park, that's yeah, exactly. Years. And he's like, I'm gonna eliminate and eradicate all dinosaurs because of that. I don't know. Well, the, okay, I, I'm already I, writing I would, a better well, movie than I, Jurassic World. And I and I had an idea for that as myself. I was gonna bring up to you, but but yeah, there's no need to break down. Uh, the plot of this one and i mean first i was i was gonna say at the top of the hour but like it made 143 million like mm-hmm. there are crowds out there that still enjoy watching dinosaurs um be created and save humans that just seems to be the the formula for these films um and it goes without saying like you have the chris pratt and dallas uh bryce dallas howard return as they're they have un- nothing to do with un- zero chemistry. Un- yeah, their chemistry it's baffling after three they films. They never can't had chemistry. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I just rewatched these movies. They were trying to get us to believe that they would end up together the entire three film trilogy, and not once was it believable. Well, I was gonna say, like, it, it kind of surprises me how often Chris Pratt doesn't have much chemistry with his co-stars. I mean, maybe the Guardians are the far stretch, but like I mean, outside yeah. of that, it's kind of hard. It's funny because like in Guardians, he has chemistry with a woman that doesn't have like regular Earth emotions, emotions or attitudes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then also, though, like the reason why I was excited for this film is you get the return of the OG three, uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum, who are also given who, nothing to do They're they no have, one has anything to do in this movie except given, for run away from bugs and dinosaurs. They're given stuff to do. You just don't find it as a purposeful point. What are they given to do besides like sneak around a lab about figuring out bugs? They're trying like, to find why, out. Yeah, they're trying to find out how corrupt eating this. Corn. This uh, this is a fucking dinosaur movie. Bioson? What was it called? Bison? Biosyn. Biosyn. They're trying to find out how corrupt this. Apparently, Biosyn is. is also a huge part of the book, but like you'll never know that unless. When have they ever you read the apart. book? Exactly. Okay, yeah. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, like I was excited to see the, re- I mean, Dr. Alan Grant is a fucking, I mean, he's awesome. He really is. Sam Neill. Was yeah. He's not, apparently Alan Grant forgot he was an English speaking gentleman in the yeah, last couple of years. Yeah. Well, it, it happens. Um, but yeah, I was excited to see them. Yeah. They had something to do. Uh, and as all parts with, Chris Pratt in these movies, he is chasing dinosaurs more than anything. Uh, I would, dude, he's less chasing dinosaurs getting by chased. getting chased getting by chased dinosaurs yeah. or holding his hand up to the dinosaurs, like yeah. he has some magical force power yeah. to keep them at bay. Yeah. Like the Raptors do that because they were trained from birth. He's throwing his hands up in front of T Rexes and shit. Like they're just like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, um, that's that's ridiculous. 
the, the thing that like going before into this was like you I, I saw some reviews about how like for Bryce Dallas Howard, her character has like a really good character arc, but I didn't I, I didn't really see that. Like, she had a good character motivation, just, but the arc was never followed through yeah. on. And and to kind of like shed more light onto it is like um I, I mean this is kind of beating a, a a rock or something, but my like, question is how does she have money? Oh, her dad. No, Claire. Oh, no, not Bryce Dallas Howard. She <laughs> fucking she does Star Wars and stuff and she does good episodes. I'm saying Claire because she got it. I mean, she was her her company. She got, was the like the, the funding for her company had to stop. It wasn't even a company. People. It was like a charity. Oh, it was a nonprofit organization. Yeah, where they were like rescuing dinosaurs. But where did they get the funding from one? And then there's like she is a disgraced theme park operator yeah i mean it, it's like <laughs> like it's, i don't know she probably had a really bad time running roller coaster tycoon if that I was that game. game or, oh, or zoo, zoo tycoon, zoo tycoon. Mm. um put that together but like to kind of like uh to obviously mention we uh get the return of the clone child from fallen kingdom and i think this is what mistake was happening in the last star wars trilogy is you had to for some reason there's a fix. lot of compa- there's a lot yeah, of linear I, it's, comparisons it's hard to, to ignore the, the star wars trilogies but besides the fact that your first movie was a homage to the original in the sense where you were trying to hit as many beats as you could from the original in this like basically reworked version of the original film. The second film was a film that is divisive in the sense that it's split in half down the line. Half of it's a rescue it off the dinosaurs off the island movie. Half of it's the haunted house movie. Just yeah. like or in uh, Last Jedi, how it's half movie with Luke and Ray, half a movie with Finn and Rose. And then you have the third installment in the franchise, the film that feels the most studio interfered, the film that the first movie's director has come back and redid the, or basically try to rewrite what was changed in the second one so that it more aligns with what he wanted to do. And it just does not work. This system does not work. Yeah, and so you had to fi- uh, fix the sequel by still including more um, resolve to this clone daughter. Colin character. Trevorrow was stuck with the character of Macy, and the character yeah. of Macy is so whole, uninteresting whole, yeah. and so, like, it's not like she's unlikable, but why do we give a fuck about some clone girl? These are Jurassic Park movies. Why can't we have the dinosaur? We literally had a little dinosaur that could have been in the place of Macy as the character. We had Blue's child. Oh, yeah, they yeah, make yeah. a point to say that she is the, the exact other version, like basically the duplicate when it comes to Macy in the sense that like a baby born of a single mother through genetics. So why do we even need this fucking little girl character? Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely like a voice for concern. I mean, it's one of those... Uh, characters that is it's interesting i mean it's one of the unfortunate things because she's the only thing that's kind of keeping chris pratt and Dalla, bryce Dallas howard together and as much and as they're we all don't like that's my daughter oh, that's my oh, that's my mom like yeah. no and, and, you didn't you know. establish that in any good so, way at all so there's one thing that i thought might have been maybe just a better story is if uh we're introduced to this um uh like this black market carrier pilot dewanda wise and uh that's mm. and she's what kind of brings the old the new trilogy back to the uh the old the old trilogy characters to this new trilogy characters but in bios yeah i was about to say she felt like right out of the lost world well i'm just not I'm saying, the original i i wonder if she would have if it would have been maybe just a better film if like you had her and chris pratt's character and you don't really see much of like this 
clone daughter and maybe no not much of Bryce Dallas Howard. And I like, mean, dude, it's more of like an adventure film with dinosaurs rather than just like the, the whole science part where like we we have to see BD Wan again and for some reason he gets a redemption tour for literally the most dangerous man in the entire yeah, universe like when he, it comes to this world. He, he is, should have been he is his of. death toll single-handedly is probably in the hundred of thousands yeah. well, because of the all of the one. dinosaurs he has helped genetically yeah. alter and and change. And like, yeah, they're trying to make you feel like he's getting redeemed. And I'm like, no, sir. Yeah. He you should, are, he should you are an absolute, that. you are, you, you should be locked up for the rest of your days. Yeah. And it was really funny is because when he's wanting to escape and uh, Dr. Malcolm walks in, he's like, oh, you like, no, like we were, we know this guy, right? Like he's the reason for all of this. Yeah. Like they definitely make it aware of like all the mistakes that he has kind of pointed to. For some reason he gets redemption, but I wonder if it just would have been a better, better film. If you kind of condense the cast, condense the runtime, cut the cast. You don't need a single star. These movies should mm-hmm. should have mm-hmm. for I the mean, last five films trying to make money. been about the dinosaurs. You f- do people will go see national the fucking walking with dinosaurs bullshit whatever and just watch like a narration version of dinosaurs. You follow the dinosaurs through the the the, the world some, that they have now well, taken actually, over. The extinction of the human race is beginning because the dinosaurs are taking over the earth. We didn't get any of retaking that. and we, like the we only humans we're seeing are the victims of the dinosaurs we've been following for the entire we, film. We get an like opening. Blue should be the main character. We get an opening and a closing. We have voice by Chris Pratt. We get an opening sure. and a closing of what the what we've wanted, which was these animals in the open wildlife. And then instead, we just get them thrown into the middle of what Biosyn has created, which is we a have, new dude, they land keep, of, in, uh, not in danger, but just a new land where the dinosaurs can run through. They did this with Fallen Kingdom, they and they test. did it again with Dominion. They're try, they make it seem like with the trailers that the uh, dinosaurs are loose around the world, and they're attacking humans, and they're here to eat us. Like the, There was the infamous scene with the T-Rex at the drive-in, not even in the fucking movie. It was literally just a little that piece like of like opening. prologue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that was like an IMAX. Terrible, terrible. Which, and like, which that's the stuff suspense, I wanted to see, been, though. Yeah. I would want to see that. And yeah. the fact that we can't even get that like little minuscule part is just a real shame. It's just so stupid. I, yeah, and I was excited. I, I was excited to see the old guys return. That was the only thing that kind of um lighten my rating a little bit more uh and also the dinosaurs but what's really funny about the dinosaurs is that since jurassic park we've always believed that t-rex was the biggest most dangerous and most terrifying dinosaur out there and now through each other installment we learn that that's just not the case that's just like i know they always try to throw in bigger dinosaurs and this one had a really original name it was the gigantosaurus yeah. Well, yeah. And then you also had, as I, and then you heard, had, and then you had Edward Scissorfingers. Well, yeah. I was gonna say I heard some guests even uh, as they left the theater, they they called it that, and I thought it was uh, pretty funny. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's a film that's gonna consistently. Uh, this it is definitely closed off. Like they uh, they end this one on the not the best. And note, again, but... if they're going to come back to this franchise, throw it into the many years into the future. The, the efforts to wrangle and cause the extinction of the dinosaurs have failed, and now they are taking over. They have been multiplying and reproducing at an incredible rate, and now the world is back into the age of the dinosaurs, where there are only few humans in, like, little camps and, like, basically, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes with fucking dinosaurs. Can you imagine that? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that and and like you can't reason with the dinosaurs because they're not smart like the apes. But like that's the 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 like mindset I want. That's the sad thing is like you don't want to see the tr- like Universal kind of close you off. You can the still bring it in makes money, but dude, you can still bring in an Alan can, Grant like being one of the leaders of the last camps of humans because he's able to protect and out and and because of his knowledge of dinosaurs. Like, you, well, that would be better. It could be all so much better than this cause, fucking trash. Because then at that moment you can eliminate the whole science part where we never had to get the evil scientist who can't be stopped but then at the end you realize that he's made the mistake because you get that with both of these guys you here because even Dodgson exactly. even said that but that that's that's one thing that you kind of hope that universal might be able to, to contract and i wanted to say to you um do you think it would have been better to have seen spielberg return to one of these films i because I know he, I mean, I know to say Lost that he, to say that he, the... to say that he would i would i'd be like nah i don't think he would ever um he did red player one which is sort of no, like but that's not i mean it's not in that sense it's just like steven spielberg isn't the, the kind of guy that like goes and backtracks when he's already done something because okay. he's going to be doing the next jaws i got you yeah what is there another jaws coming out that no, he's remember, doing remember our, our, our would-be reboot podcast i'm oh i, I, I joked about that. i joked about that yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't want to like go into. I, I think we both have pretty similar rankings with the Jurassic Park. I mean, Jurassic this World. one's last for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. I um, at least like half of Fallen Kingdom, and for the as far as the original, the first three, the first one's untouchable, and the other two, I at least find enough dinosaur goodness that I can enjoy. Uh, I will say about Dominion, though, the dinosaurs have not looked this good since the first movie. That is the one positive thing I can say about this mm-hmm. movie. Well, it's in the way but that's also, in the new but that also leads, leans, makes me want to then have them doing more with the dinosaurs than they're already doing and giving us more of you know, be really, the incredible looking dinosaurs instead really of the kinda, fucking humans. Really kind of cool is you see some sort of like animal planet channel where like they talk about how the dinosaurs have adapted into these new environments like how we saw at the end of fallen kingdom where you get the t-rex and the lion kind of squaring off and like who's the new alpha between different yeah that's again that's what they seem to be advertising to us every time they make one of these movies and every time they put out trailers they're like this is the these are the dinosaurs they are in our world you and this is how the society has to deal with them but no it's like barely a thing you see a kid playing with a dinosaur by the riverbed but for the most part all of the dinosaurs we see in this movie are on a remote island in a remote area away from civilization and they just do the same fucking thing that they've done for the last five movies and that's keep the dinosaurs away from society and i think that's besides the end of lost world and which is why i really do like that movie well and i think that's kind of why people still love Jurassic Park is they do a really good job at just showing you that. Now I wonder if what if what if the way that this um this plot could have been told is just in the style of like Mad Max, the post-apocalyptic world, but instead it's because of dinosaurs. Well that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like I wouldn't go nearly post-apocalyptic, but I'm saying like it's a couple of years into the future, the dinosaurs it wouldn't take long. The dinosaurs have long. dominated yeah. the food chain. They have They've taken over society. They have like wiped out a huge population, population yeah. of the of the world. So like, continents are just run by dinosaurs. Like right. not run, but not, like, like Australia. Yeah, you yeah fucked. Yeah, Antarctica. Yeah. Everyone has moved to like one area. And right. Just, yeah. You know, no. That, and you have holdouts, and I'm. Yeah. And you have holdouts. Maybe Which one of the what, holdouts is led by Alan Grant, um, like I just said. Yeah. I just thought of Dawn of Planet of the Apes because that's kind of how the world has become. Bro, did we just not have this conversation? Right. <laughs> uh, what I. <laughs> 
what I just want to get out because like I uh, after hearing like how bad the the Jurassic um, this new one is, I didn't really do a rewatch, but I kind of wanted to at least say like um, I remember when Jurassic Park three came out. Uh, I know it has a short runtime, so maybe I go back and watch it. But I just remember how uh, that premiering that teaser premiering during the Super Bowl, and it just like shows you the return of going back to Nibbler. And it shows the um, I remember it shows like the science, the, the science lab and like oh, all the broken the open the part. Yeah. And like it, it yes. looks really cool. And just and that was like the you got uh, Grant coming back. And then I just remember like how uh, how fun that was just being a kid and like being excited for a Jurassic Park movie, because I was obviously too young for Lost World. But um, and then here we are now where like you're not really excited for a Jurassic Park film, but like Jurassic Park three had that moment at least. Um, to say it for sure but yeah i mean that that uh you want to add anything or do you want to kind of go into our our mini or i guess our big theme of the week yeah no i mean well well, i i I of course didn't i voice my theme but right i was about to say and i voiced my opinions on the the state of the jurassic franchise do do better universal as the cliche cheesy joke that's been happening is like I think I saw maybe 20 headline articles like, well, this franchise is extinct. Oh, something's extinct. Yeah, but they've when been extinct. making those articles since the Lost World, World yeah. <laughs> yeah. came out in the 90s. But they, but the thing, like the last two have made billions of dollars. So like it'll make money. It's just whether or not Universal Dude, but, yeah, it's put it on pause. That's the thing, though. It's like they don't, some of these movies just don't deserve to make that money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which leads us into our theme of the week where we kind of wanted to yeah talk about movies that did not make money. Oh, I guess that could certainly no, that's not our theme. Our theme is non-Jurassic Park dinosaur movies for obvious reasons. We wanted to talk about dinosaur movies that are good, actually. And funny enough, I think we ended up with pretty similar movies when it comes to our picks. Then I guess I will start us off. Before Disney once again dominated the world of animation, they were in a very deep slump in the 90s and they had lost one of their uh, lead animators. One of their best guys goes by the name of Don Bluth. It was before the Disney Renaissance. It was before Steven Spielberg would go to make Jurassic Park and bring dinosaurs back to life in front of our eyes. Uh, These two just geniuses of family filmmaking and another huge name in that world, a little uh, man by the name of George Lucas. They all teamed up to work on a production of uh, an hour, 16-minute long family film about a lost family member and persevering and friendship and uh, finding the best attributes about yourself to help better the group uh, as a whole. And that movie goes by the name of The Land Before Time. One of the, I would say, one of the like most overlooked, iconic animated films of all time. This movie is fantastic. It's beautiful. It, you have so many fa- amazing characters. It's so sad. This movie did the whole dead parent circle of life situation before The Lion King, bro. They made you mourn for Littlefoot's mother in that beginning moment. And, like, sh- and they made you fear sharp tooth being the like giant intimidating t-rex that he is and um fun fact is it fun well i think it is steven spielberg and george lucas originally wanted this movie to be like i was saying for jurassic park uh, no dialogue 
almost like the Fantasia portion, Rite of Spring, where you, you see the extension of the dinosaurs in that film. But I'm very glad they went with the dialogue, especially the young actors they got have an incredible level of innocence in them that I find super refreshing and super tangible, something that you can access uh, emotionally as a kid and as an adult. Then you also have the fact that this was like, it, it touches on an like an allegories for racism where uh, it's talks about exclusionism and, and how people are segregated between race culture. They're like, Oh, three horns can't play with long necks and whatnot. So it's talking about incredibly important topics like that. at such for in a movie for such or for kids at such an early age. So that's incredible. Um, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but I need you to let me collect my thoughts. What do you think about The Land Before Time? Uh, pretty sure I've seen all of them. <laughs> well, I've, dude, I've, I might have only seen the first one, maybe the le- next two or three of them. But the only one I ever remember is the first one. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure I had, um, I remember, and it just goes with my pick too, but like I had stuffed animal dinosaurs growing up and like Littlefoot and um and spike like i definitely had all of them ducky for sure but uh and it just and sierra i'm like looking at all the the characters again but i definitely Mm -hmm. just remember like how it was one of those scenes where like um not just for like my mom but like other people's parents could have easily just put put this on for their kids and they know that they'd be distracted for and not even distracted but entertained um the whole time and like that was one of the great things about uh this franchise itself and it's it's fun. Uh, I can't remember like the, the more meaning around it and whatnot, but like I just know that it was always uh dude. I know that was the film. crazy thing about watching it here is like how much it actually touches on like self perseverance and confidence and bravery and like just because all these all these young dinosaurs are separated from their families and they have to find the Great Valley on their own and they have to use their different traits and abilities, the things that they used to think of the uh as separators between the different kind of species of dinosaurs they come together and use those different skills to overcome challenges and obstacles including running away from a gigantic t-rex so it's it's a beautiful in that sense and you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a an animated film or even just like a regular kids film in in general that's this pure and innocent and something that like both adults and kids can watch and it's just simple and pure and there's so much to take away from it. And it's like undoubtedly for children, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like they're it's babying the kids that are viewing this movie. Cause it's again, talking about these more important things and like introducing them to these concepts and themes that would actually that actually help better someone in their in their real life so the fact i i almost did not expect no i definitely didn't expect to take away so much from this movie when i watched it again just knowing what it was it's just been a minute for me and i'm very happy to say that i got so much out of this movie that i'm definitely going to be returning to it sooner than later yeah and then i know when we kind of when you came up with the idea for this week it was easy to just uh to know like oh i have a pick already and didn't have to like dig right. deep into it because like we still have that 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 part in our brain where we can go back in time ourselves uh to the land before time and just 
pick out that that acid trip of of nostalgia that I love to say. I mean, Don Bluth is has been mm-hmm. doing the the Lord's work when it comes to kids movies at, for for many many years. He he is not someone that shies away from the more intimidating and terrifying when it, even in their kids movies. Some of the imagery he's able to procure with his animations are scarring and like are things that can stick with people for life. Um I got to imagine there are some people that are more afraid of the T-Rex in the land before time than the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, just because of like when they came out and how they, that person aged. Um, But like his blues distinctive, like hostile and miserable and dark and suffering tone, but he is, but also his warm and comforting and joyous touches to his films are really what makes him stand out above other animated directors. And is it's funny because like I said earlier, he is a, an animator that left Disney because he didn't agree with some of the tone and things that they were doing with their films when they were making them. And so he was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And I'm very glad he did because that just gives us that much more incredible animation to enjoy. Now this, now folks, this is a week where I do in fact know what Brent's going to pick. And it's funny enough. I don't know if Brent actually knows this connection between our two movies, but besides the fact that both were composed by James Horner, which mm. is hilarious. Um, like I said earlier, Steven Spielberg and Don Bluth and George Lucas worked on the land before time together. And we're going to like start this animation company together. But after the success of the land before time, Steven Spielberg and Amblin, his production company went off and created Amblimation which was an animation studio that was a precursor to DreamWorks, basically. It only has three films under his belt. That's Balto, American uh, the American, or no, American Tale 2, Five Goes, Goes West. And I'm pretty sure what Brent's going to pick this week if I know my co-host at all. We're back. A dinosaur story. Row back the rock to the donut time where the earth was shaking and the lava flow. Yeah, that's, that's you can do that part. Uh, yeah, so like this part, this... This is why it was easy for me because I just felt like, uh, for one, being back home, it was easy for me to think we're back. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I've owned this. Um, uh, I'm thinking I'm back. Was John making this? Uh, I remember I owned three v- VHS copies of this because the first two I just basically bled through the tape, and I had to, and I just got the got the next copy available. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a very enjoyable film. I remember growing up watching, and it just. Um, like for the the theme of the weekend, like obviously sticking into animation. I know Brett enjoyed when I when I couldn't help but spill the beans. Right. Uh, it's it's a fun film, and like I I just I remember a lot of uh, the the two runaway children and their connection with the dinosaur and and growing uh, up with that um, and what we've kind of been portrayed of how dinosaurs are, but then seeing this version of it, I thought it was really. Um, fit in a way and i mean I dude think, this is a weirdly trippy movie to, to say the least the the the, the whole the whole concept is hilarious it starts off with like this little bird's nest and the little baby birds getting bullied and he jumps out of the the nest and he lands on a golf course and you find oh, john goodman's yeah. character playing golf and, he's and he the tells story. him the story yeah. about how he ate brain grain cereal and it made him a smart dinosaur that could talk not and one. not like a mean savage dinosaur Partis- anymore. And then he beats his dinosaur friends and professor uh, good day or whatever his name is. Whoever Walter Cronkite plays uh, screw eyes. No, the no. screw eyes brother. Hold on. 
It's like Captain something. Oh, oh, Captain Newies, New Eyes. Captain New Eyes and his like little Zorg, little green guy Zorg, voiced by Jay Leno or whatever. He he takes the dinosaurs to modern day New York so that they can go live in a natural history museum and teach the kids of the world about the dinosaurs because every kid on earth is wishing to see a real dinosaur, apparently. Uh, Right. So, I I mean, it's super weird. The dinosaurs run into this kid who's running away from home because his mom kisses him too much. They run into this girl whose parents fucking ditch her on Thanksgiving and all they send her is a picture of them on vacation which is basically like a middle finger, just like, fuck you, you're not here. Um, but it's like, it's it's so weird and kitschy and fun and ridiculous that it has this like, this this vibrant tone to it that is infectious and you can't not enjoy the time watching it. As, it's not a great movie, dude. It's not poetry. It's jumpy. It's all over the place. You feel like as just as soon as the movie starts, it's over. Uh, there's a weird subplot with a spooky circus and Doctor Screw Eye. Circus, Ooh, the shit out dude. Of that the visuals in that in those scenes and the like imagery, it's all like it. It feels very Bluthy, even though they kicked Bluth to the curb for this film. No, but this movie, I came out a year after I was born, and so I just remember consistently always watching it when sure. I was growing up. It was one of those easy films that um, easy to obtain and and to just get through because it um it's not I mean it's not a long film not many kids animated films are back in the day but but yeah i um i enjoyed it and hopefully it's uh you know as as all of our picks go you know choosing something is uh, allows maybe for um the 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 audience or just other people in general to kind of pick up and watch it's it's uh it's good to return to sometimes i would wish i had the time to do that myself but you know fuck life yeah I'm, dude, I mean, one of my favorite parts alone is just how they do the, the the designs when you see the savage dinosaurs and how they just tweak things ever so slightly and make them feel More cartoon, make right them there. go from violent, savage, For scary cartoon. dinosaurs into these lovable characters mm-hmm. that we've like come to know and, and enjoy in this movie like that. And, and when you see the transition, even in that in last moment where Rex overcomes the brain drain that dr screw eye gives them then like it's it's a very cathartic moment and i mean there's nothing more terrifying than that end scene do you remember how uh screw eye meets his demise he's like i don't like being alone when i'm alone the crows they come for me and then a swarm of crows flies all over all around him and then they fly away and he's gone and all that's left is his little screw eye and another bird then picks up and leaves it's so ominous and creepy and there's no questions answered and it's pretty alarming but i mean as a whole like i said there's this weird infectious nature to this movie the music the one musical number that they have is dumb and catchy and you can't get it out of your head it's 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 like it's so burned into my brain it's like the parade from ferris bueller's day off oh absolutely that's why it's one of those scenes that just stays there and i mean you have an incredible voice cast like the little girl i i don't know if you recognized her voice at all did you no because to me she sounded a lot like lisa simpson i look at the cast list well i want to know that yardley smith is the voice of lisa simpson they find they and it sounds exactly the same so the little girl is basically Lisa and then Dweeb, the Patasaurus, the green one, you know, mm-hmm. Charles, that's Charles Fleischer. 
fucking Roger Rabbit, bro. The guy who voiced and did the like stand in for Roger Rabbit during that movie. Oh, well, then I would have a fun fact for you. Oh, what? Well, he plays the guy that in Zodiac that Jake Jonah takes to the basement where he thought he was a Zodiac killer. And he's like, Charles Fleischer? He's like, are you alone in the house? And he's like, maybe. And then he hears footsteps upstairs and it is like one of the scariest parts in that movie. Are you sure? Oh, wow. Take one look at him. Apparently. Because like, I, I like when you put a, uh, I remember that moment, a face, the name, I was able to kind of pick that on. If only we could watch the Zodiac for this week's movie theme. Because. I have three hours to spare. Yeah, you need to figure out how that is uh, gonna. You're gonna so, need to give you more yourself more time for watching things, bro. This is ridiculous. I know. But yeah, um, that will do it for our theme this week. It's it's nice to kind of get back into the mix of things. I mean, um, yeah, our dinosaur film was not like our Jurassic World wasn't what we wanted to be, but we got a good surprise with Hustle. And we and got. I got to watch two incredibly memorable and yeah. nostalgic animated well, films about dinosaurs. Yeah. And we have plenty of films left in the summer to really kind of give ourselves um, more um, hope. hope. I, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe there, there's not. I, I wouldn't say there's. Uh, I know next week we'll have a really big one to talk about. And I can't wait for that. But the the rest of the month looks pretty slim, if you were to ask me. So it's, I mean, it's minions, and then what? Well, I was referring to Elvis just to give you shit. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, um, Brett, you want to go ahead and give a shout out for your recommendation this week? My recommendation is real simple because I decided in this next month before July 1st, when we get part two of season four of Stranger Things, I was going to rewatch all of the seasons. Oh, fuck. Seasons one so fucking good, dude. It's like undoubtedly one of the best seasons of television ever made. There's so much intrigue and sci-fi and horror and the characters are so amazing and lovable and the kids are still young and cute and innocent and they don't look like 30 year olds yet. It's really and the mystery that they set up and are able to capitalize on four seasons later and the things that I'm catching back and forth makes watching season one even that much better. So I definitely recommend doing a full show rewatch in this next month before we get the last part of season four. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, my recommendation might be a little out outreach though, uh, but I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of going through and watching Jack Nicholson's older films. Hmm. Um, just working my way up through his filmography. Cause there's just some I missed, but I would just, uh, I mean, he did a film with Adam Sandler that we um, anger management. And so to kind of maybe just combine the two, I would say just just knock on that one because uh, that has some memorable moments. Uh, I know it might not age well, but I, that that uh, Goose Fraba might be my recommendation. Mm-hmm. But because I know that one's going to be next on my list, especially with Adam Sandler just having a film out, and it's kind of it might be hard to knock out Sandler's career, but definitely uh, I'm in, enjoying where I'm at now, though watching earlier Nicholson films and and seeing what the what are, it is there, and it kind of it's one of those things where like you know. He doesn't act anymore, but he's still alive. But it's just one of those things that, like, actors could work 10 years and they can close it off. They don't have to go 50, 60 years like some of these legendary guys are doing now. Yeah. Or, like, they got yeah. money right then. But, yeah. So, uh, have a good night. And, well, no, hold on. Um, how can I rope it into light? No, we'll just do it next week. I was about to say we would just end this podcast by saying to infinity and beyond. Is that too soon? We would say it next week. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll say that next week. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to leave all this in. Bye.